Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of Fran Coaches Franchising 101 Podcast. I'm Tim Parmeter, founder and CEO of Fran Coach and your podcast host. Today, I am super excited because we have a guest that really can only be described as franchise royalty. Um, this is somebody who has is a not only just a multi-unit franchise owner, but she's a multi-brand franchise owner. Uh, if that's not big enough, uh, she's a director of marketing for one of the premier franchise marketing firms. She also hosts an amazing podcast. And if I'm being honest, it is my second favorite podcast out there. You guys can guess what my favorite one is. Uh, but also is in charge of a groundbreaking new series that features some of the absolute top rock stars in the industry of franchising. Um, if that's not enough, still, she started her own nonprofit and somewhere mixed in there, there's a hubby and some kiddos running around, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yet with all of that, here she is. Um, she is so important. I'm skipping the Fran Coach intro. We are jumping right into the one, the only Ms. Madeline Zook. Madeline, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. I know I've been listening to your podcast for a while. And when you reached out to be on, I was like, oh, shoot. We haven't done this yet. We really got to do this. So I'm excited we, to be here. We we do. And um, at some point, can um, you and I play a game of horse? And because, you know, big, Listen, big baller with your basketballs back there. We can, but I will not go easy on you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll play franchise. It has a, a, a few more letters in it. <laughs> Yeah, it'll, it'll take me a little bit longer to win, but it'll be fine. So uh, <laughs> it is uh, awesome, awesome to have have you on. And and the we've got a bunch to talk about from uh, obviously your, your background. We definitely want to talk about marketing, because, again, when you're owning a franchise, the hyperventilation moment is like, I need customers, I need clients. How do we find them? Right. And you are an absolute expert in that. But first off, this is franchising is about people. So I always like to get to know the folks on the show. Like, how did you get into this crazy thing that is franchising? Give us the scoop. Yeah. So like almost everyone in franchising, I kind of fell into it. So after I played uh, professional basketball, um, I decided instead of going overseas and trying to make that work, I should make some money. So I started out as an executive assistant. Um, I had a coaching a youth basketball coaching company on the side with a partner. And one day I got a LinkedIn message saying, Hey, I know Dave, who was my partner in the basketball facility, uh, facility. And he was like, we're made pro and we're looking for someone who has a marketing background. And, you know, I'm really big on relationships and referrals. Um, so I'd love to talk And my literally Tim, my first response was, I don't want to be made. Like, what are you talking about? What is this? And so finally I was like, oh, okay. This seems a little bit interesting. I didn't know what franchising was. Sure enough, go in, interview, get the job. Um, and immediately Amazon like books, franchising 101. What's a franchise? How to market a franchise? I was like, I'm in over my head. Um, and then, you know, fast forward about a decade later, um, we grew it to, I think when I left, it was like maybe 10 or 11 brands. It's now threshold brands, private equities acquired them. I met my husband who was a franchisee at the time. So we now own um, three brands under them, all multi-unit, and then another brand outside of them with a different franchisor. 
Um, and I have now started a franchise corporate recruiting firm. We've got, you know, the podcast, I work for a digital marketing supplier. So, um, it's been really great to kind of see all different aspects of franchising and see, you know, the pain points of each. And, and my goal here now is people ask kind of, well, what do you do daily? And I was like, honestly, I'm just trying to leave franchising better than I came in because there's a good chance that between the four brands and the three kids, one of them is going to be in franchising. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and the fact that you and your husband met in franchising, mm-hmm. um, let's be honest, like there's no way that type of relationship could possibly work. Right. So uh... <laughs> listen, I, it's so funny. And I said this on Eric Van Horn's podcast the other day, I was like, everyone asks like, Oh, how did you and your husband meet? And we had known each other, you know, in the system, whatever. And I said, well, it all started with, a franchise convention, a hot tub, and Nicolas Cage. And you think that I'm joking, and I'm literally not. We were in Puerto Rico at a franchise convention. A bunch of us were in the hot tub. Everyone starts, uh, you know, coming over and saying, oh, in that restaurant, uh, you know, across the across the way over there, Nicolas Cage is, is there. I guess he's here shooting a, mess, uh, a, a, a movie. And now everyone else is normal adults, and they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, he's just, you know, having a dinner. That's awesome that we got to see him. Not me. I lean over to Jesse. I was like, can I have your tequila? I take a couple shots, get out soaking wet of the hot tub, walk across the street into the restaurant, take a photo with Nicolas Cage. I don't know why he said yes. And then came back and Jesse was like, huh, that was kind of cool. And, you know, it's history ever since. <laughs> that, that That is all. And the, the good thing is you guys will probably tell the same story. Whereas my wife and we, we met in franchising, we have mm-hmm. slightly different versions of how it went down. <laughs> Mine is the accurate version. Hers is some sort of science fiction thing. So mm-hmm. As um, you but do. yeah, exactly. And there's no way in heck she's going to listen to this. So what well, she might because you're on, but <laughs> <laughs> any other one, I'm pretty sure she's going to ignore. So um, talk a little bit about like you just kind of like glossed over not just a franchise owner, but multiple units and now multiple brands, right? And so I think most people that we work with and folks that are listening, we kind of get the fact that you can grow multiple units of of that, right? So, and again, most people's mind looking into franchising at the beginning thinks retail, multiple locations, but you've got multiple territories of this. What they don't realize is that you can kind of stack those additional brands on top. So, Talk a little bit about kind of that transition for you guys, um, the, the, you know, the, the advantages, things that went well, and then like a couple of things you're like, Ooh, that was a little, a little more challenging than maybe we thought. So I am known for being like no filter. So I'll just kind of give it, <laughs> give you the real feel for it. You've, ar- you've already busted out the first F-bomb on oh, the yeah. Franchising I've... 101 podcast. So yeah. good work. Listen, Scott Abbott was like, you're the only one that's ever sworn on my podcast. And I was like, I feel honored, but you know, so our story is as I worked at the corporate made pro, he had bought that previous to us knowing each other and grew it to one of the top 10 systems. So he had that under wraps. We're both very entrepreneur. Um, and it was do it's, it is, and it wasn't is doing very well. So that's kind of like our, our golden child during that time when I was with made pro and, you know, had met Jesse who's my husband, we decided to build at Threshold a pest control company from the ground up, you know, from we were going to go mosquito and tick. So the industry was there. Um, 
And he was one of the early adopters of the Made Pro franchises, which was now the sister franchise that said, I'll raise my hand. I'll try this out. Um, you know, obviously I believed in the brand. I believe in what we're doing. And also he was like, I, you know, I've grown this Made Pro system pretty large. You know, I want to try something else. Um, that has proven to be very difficult because when you are one of the early adopters at an emerging brand, um, the performas and all of the benchmarks you expect to hit and you research and see are minus times five. So it was exponentially uh, more difficult to figure out and not in terms of operations, but in terms of growth, because now franchise development, you know, they're not growing very fast because they're now competing with a very highly competitive space. Um, and also it's not every day that a, a franchise candidate wants to raise their hand and be one of the first five, 10 in a system. Right. So we're competing against that. Um, so that brand, which is now called Patio Patrol, took about four or five seasons to break even. So that's, you know, that's a long time to break even. Now, thankfully, you know, we had Made Pro that was continuing to grow and that kind of helped us fund this other franchise venture. But what we had hoped would break even in season one or two simply did not. And and also, you know, getting that split support from a franchisor was difficult as well. Now, I was on the corporate side, so it kind of bridged that gap a little bit. Um, but that was the, rea the realistic part of it. And then our third brand, which was Men in Kilts, um, and also I, I should say we we knew we wanted to stay within home services, right? We weren't about to branch out to a QSR. So that ideally that they complemented one another. Right. Now we brought on men in kilts, which was the exterior cleaning. So we had interior cleaning, exterior cleaning, and basically cleaning up your pets, pests, right. pest control. The problem with men in kilts was that, you know, we acquired them um as a franchisor. And so they were already pre-built out, you know. Uh, performas and and KPIs, but the problem was this was all majority in Canada, and so for the U.S. it was completely different. So we have found that the what we should have expected from the business was nothing like what we saw during the candidate process. Now, in the candidate process, we didn't do a ton of due diligence. We were like, we know this franchisor. You know, my best friend at the time was leading the brand. Um, but I think, you know, we went in with rose colored glasses from the franchise or two, because we had all of these Canadian statistics. And then when we transferred it over to, um, the U S and layered on COVID, it really took a hit. So that business is still not at break even, and we're about three or four seasons in, um, which, you know, is, is tough. And then <laughs> I met Leo Goldberg over at, um, home-based franchise group and, he, we had now bought a very large territory, almost all of Pennsylvania for closetivity. Cause we were like, all right, well now we've got, we're cleaning up everything. Let's organize. So let's do the custom built-ins. And, and I was like, this is another emerging brand, but I see the vision. I see the brand. I know we have this huge network of clients already. Like, and this is going to be easier break even because the each of the charges are of, of larger a, a larger price point right right now right. i underestimated the support we did need from the franchisor because they have 
very, very minimal in terms of marketing to the point where you could type in closetivity and it's not, that's not even going to come up. So to have almost a negative SEO has really taken a toll on us to the point where a lead, Tim, not even a closing, a lead is $700. That is insane. Especially when our, you know, average ticket is like anywhere between five and $10,000. So to get a lead at 700, we're, we're dropping in thousands of dollars every month and it, to the point where it's almost not sustainable because of consumer consumer trends, inflation, no real SEO juice or any sort of value from the, the franchise brand standpoint. And on top of that, I think that something that people don't talk about is the delta between having multiple brands. So sure, you can scale your single brand to multi-units and you know, you don't really need a lot of extra capital or time. Like you get the system, but when you start bringing on new brands, every single one of those brands says you have to be a hundred percent invested. You have to go out and do guerrilla marketing. You have to, you know, X, Y, Z, and no franchisor takes into account that if when you get that ideal franchisee, which I would assume my husband and I are, we're overcapitalized. We've, you know, we know the system, we'll follow the system and we want to grow is it's kind of like having kids. So when I have my second kid and my third kid, I can't just ignore the other ones and give them a hundred percent of my attention. So as you start to dilute the amount of time and attention you have, even if you're pumping money into it, there's not enough time to be the mayor of your community for each of those brands. Right. And the franchisor hasn't built into their initial investment uh, plan. What happens when our owners don't have that time? So we didn't budget to have to, you know, bring on someone full time to go do all of that guerrilla marketing. So now we're just sitting here saying, okay, well now break even is, is even slower because there is that Delta between what happens when our owners don't have the time and not because they are not a good franchisee, but because they've got other franchises that are requiring the same thing. So that's kind of what we're up against now. And, and while franchising is very lucrative and and gives us a lifestyle that is very comfortable and, and stuff, we're at the point now where the brands two, three, and four were not as turnkey. They took, exponentially longer to hit break even. And we're a little bit tired of being in investment mode. And I just don't know if there's a franchise out there or brands out there that don't necessarily require that. I think they all require that. And I think if you're a multi-unit looking to be a multi-brand, your investment requirements just need to be higher because in order to make it work as quick as they'd want, that's essentially what you need. Yeah, it. I think you almost have to treat it like like your like your semi absentee, to yeah. the point where like like I, I know I'm going to be involved, but I need to get somebody boots on the ground for this one, for this one, for this one. Um, does that increase the investment? Yes, but it's my guess is going to it's going to increase or kind of speed that ramp up time because right now your time is torn between the different brands. Plus, for you guys, just all the other things you have going on as well. And I think it it's something to be said too, is like, we have managers for all of these brands, you know, we're not trying to own or operate all of them. Um, but again, yeah, it's that other person that's going to push the community brand, which your operations manager or your, you know, employment manager isn't necessarily going to do. We also assumed that 
with our thousands of customers, customer base that um, cross-branding and cross-marketing would be more of a hit than it is. It's literally like 1%, which is crazy because all of these people need these services. Um, so we're you know actively working on other campaigns, other ways to get our current customers to buy into our other brands and other services. But as obvious and easy as it may sound, it is one of the hardest marketing pulls. Which kind of leads us into the the kind of the whole marketing side of things. Whether it's your franchise, you've been with franchisors, you're like any anything marketing is stuff you have been and are currently involved in and in, in really one of the leaders in the franchising industry with this. So as as you are looking at when somebody's thinking about, okay, I'm gonna start a franchise, yes, they're gonna have all these things in place for us. But mm-hmm. but talk through maybe some key elements. And again, you've seen this from both sides, being a franchisor, really three sides, the supplier, uh, the franchisee. What are some of those key elements that that you're like, I mean, you've got to make sure you have this, this, and this really in place and understand from a marketing standpoint? Hey, everyone. I wanted to pause the show for just a moment to spotlight one of our premier franchise partners, Bumble Roofing an exciting emerging franchise opportunity under the Empower Brands umbrella. Bumble Roofing is a rapidly growing name in the $22 billion roofing industry. Bumble is renowned for its commitment to craftsmanship and to customer satisfaction. Perhaps Bumble's biggest differentiator is the fact that they are revolutionizing the sales process in an industry that was long overdue for it. The result is an amazing customer experience and a steady flow of referrals because of it. Serving both residential and commercial clients makes Bumble stand out as a versatile and rewarding franchise opportunity. But wait, no roofing experience? No worries. You don't need roofing experience to get your hands on a Bumble franchise. You just need the desire to take control of your life, follow the proven system provided, and you can build your own business through the power of franchising. If you'd like to learn more about Bumble Roofing to see if it might be your perfect match, Reach out to the Fran Coach team today so we can help you create your better tomorrow. Hey everyone, I wanted to take a quick break from our podcast to tell you about our amazing friends at Entrepreneur. If you're looking to become a franchisee or simply learn more about business ownership, and guys, let's be honest, you're listening to the Franchising 101 podcast, so we know you have some interest in this. And I really encourage you to go to entrepreneur.com to check out all of their great content and resources. Seriously, Entrepreneur has everything, all the way from a bookstore to the best podcast webinars and videos, plus information on upcoming events and the latest articles that seriously, they cover all aspects of franchising and business ownership. If you're having trouble deciding which franchise is right for you, start with Entrepreneur's renowned Franchise 500 ranking, which highlights the best franchises of 2022. For 45 years and counting now, Entrepreneur has been and continues to be the most widely recognized and respected authority in the franchise market. Digital and print subscriptions are available, so you never miss out on anything. So seriously, what are you waiting for? Go to entrepreneur.com right now and learn more. Yeah, so you want to make sure that one, I always ask, you know, what is your short play and long play? And it's very easy to find out if their focus is on growing AUV, which is your average unit revenue, which means their focus on growing your business and your fellow franchisees business. 
Obviously, that makes more royalties. However, franchise development, where they're bringing in new locations, cut the big checks. Um, so there's there's definitely a check and balance, checks and balance there when it comes to that. So I usually ask the franchisor, like, what is what is your five-year, your 10-year goal? And if that is to be bought out by private equity, great. But I, I want to know going into that what I can expect on the corporate level moving forward. Once that's settled, then you want to say, okay, let me see your marketing plans. If they don't have one, red flag, because <laughs> you can't expect to, you know, make that up on your own or be a marketing, you know, savant for your own location. You know, you need to have that in place. And then I want to say, okay, show me your growth numbers over the last three years, because this is going to show you if the marketing plans even fucking work, because it's right. very easy to say, here's how much you spend and here's where you spend it. It's also very easy for that to not work. So then I want to see, you know, that that growth plan. So that's that's super important. If they're working with um, suppliers, you want to ask, are you guys getting a kickback from that? Are you guys getting a referral fee? Are we mandated to use these suppliers? Um, a red flag is always if you're mandated to use a supplier and they only give you one option. Um, I think having suppliers is great because marketing is such a beast of a, a department that you know, when you're trying to run multiple campaigns for hundreds of locations, you can't expect the home office to do that well um, for every single franchisee. So, you know, bringing on a supplier that can scale is definitely important. But at the same time, you want to make sure that they're making those partnerships for the right reasons. Um, you want to make sure they're not making it because they're going to make a bigger buck on the back end. You want to make sure that they don't actually, maybe they own this, this, they also own the marketing company and that might be fine but if that's your only option and they give you no other option that if it doesn't do well because sometimes some suppliers do better in regions and than others do you always want to kind of have a bake-off and have have uh options there and then three you know you want to make sure that the franchisor is dedicated to really building that national brand you know with our closet brand I don't think that's a priority and that is okay to some extent, but if it's to the point where you're typing in your brand name and it's not coming up on Google, like that's going to hurt you locally and nationally. So you want to kind of see, Hey, what are your plans for the, this marketing fund that we're paying our one to 2% into um, just so we can know that there are things moving in the background aside from just our, our local spend. Yeah. And I think a lot of those things as, as you get through the that vetting process of looking at a franchise and you get to talk to existing owners and yeah. a, a lot of our clients, like everybody's going to get caught up in the money stuff. They're like, okay, sure. We need to understand that. But I'm like, what's, what's a day in a life. And then like, what's, what are you doing to get leads? Right. Cause, and like, Hey, you know, franchise. Oh yeah. They say they do this, but no, it's terrible. Or it's like, oh yeah, no, everything they lay out works really well. And I get, you know, these two are my best lead gen strategies. And you'll talk to another owner. Like, I don't like those. I, I like these, but you at least have that confidence that mm -hmm. you can, you can see it work. And then, um, and, and, uh, you know, I know you see this too. It's like, just don't be cheap on it. Right. It's mm -hmm. like, don't, so I'll spend more money when I start getting customers. And I like, I've literally heard people say that. And I want to come through the phone and like, it's probably not acceptable to smack the crap out of them, but it's kind of what you want, <laughs> kind of what you want to do. I'm like, did you hear yourself say that? I'm going to spend money on marketing when I get customers. Right. And so, um, 
but I think, and you've you've touched on this too, is understanding what those what those KPIs are for. Mm-hmm. On average, if I spend this here, I should get this many leads. From that, mm-hmm. I should get this many. And like, they're really I, even emerging franchises should, for the most part, have some aspect, some idea what that those ratios are going to be. So you kind of know, like, okay, I'm spending money. Well, you know, I got a lead. They didn't buy. The marketing sucks. That was one lead, right? How many do we need to get to like to get that sale to get that that customer? So, yeah. um, and I'm sure you've seen it with your businesses. The difference on is it that repeat recurring thing, like a cleaning or a pest, versus something that's project based, like we're coming in and we're doing a ten thousand dollar project project in your house. Um, right. you got, you got to kind of factor those things in as well. So, um, very cool. I want to make sure we talk about this super cool thing that is rolling out right now called franchise masters. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about like, first, what the heck is it? And then how did you even come up with this? Cause I know there are a lot of people in this industry kicking themselves for, well, we should have done that. Yeah, whatever. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't think of it. You didn't have the the, the ability to, to to knock it out like you have. So, talk to everybody about this. So, I think that there are brilliant, brilliant minds in franchising, and what makes them different from corporate is that everyone, and I say everyone because usually the ones that don't have this do not last or will not, you know, do not make it to the franchise master's level but they truly, truly care about each one of their franchisees' success. And when you are a candidate or a corporate executive um, or even a franchisee to some extent, you don't get that feel from the the C-suite all the time because you don't always have access to them. Even if you're looking to be a mentor, these people are incredibly busy. They don't have 40 hours a week to give to 40 people in a room to chat with them for an hour about their expertise. And as much as they want to, there's just not enough time. So, you know, it's funny because I never take baths and I have three kids. One is a baby. And my husband was like, go take a bath for once in your life and like, try to relax. Tim, I was in that bath for maybe four minutes. And then I was like, light bulb jumped out, wrapped a towel around me and immediately went and um, emailed Trevor over at Franchise Filming. And I said, I have an idea. My idea was let's interview these people, these masters, these leaders that everyone looks up to, everyone admires and get them to talk about their story and their, um, you know, specific expertise, whether it's, you know, leading an umbrella brand, fractional marketing, you know, restauranteurs, whatever it may be give them the platform to talk because now people can learn from them in a very professional setting. You know, they're going to get a feel for not only why these people do what they do or how these people do what they do, but why, um, and just give people a chance in one platform to really just learn, because I think you and I both know that there's really no in between, between a typical zoom like this, where no one really wants to sit and watch a Zoom, right? They'll listen, but no one really wants to sit and watch that. Um, or being in person at an event, and then it's just, you know, every man for himself. I was like, so give me something in between that has a more professional feel, 
but it's still very educational. And then people can go to one hub and just learn. So that was the idea. And Trevor said, I was like, I'm going to need you to film this, edit it, produce it at the, at the quality of like a Netflix. And I'm going to need you to not charge me. And I'm going to need you to just believe in the vision. And thankfully Trevor and his team said, Maddie, let's do this. And, you know, my team over at NetSertive and, and my boss, Aaron said, all right, like we'll foot the bill for whatever you might need on the back end, but, you know, go do your thing. And, and we've had about 26 amazing, amazing franchise executives, uh, your wife being one of them, that is willing to share, lift each other up and um, really voice not only what they've learned, but how they've learned it and and giving a a pathway for others to follow in their footsteps and also a glimpse for franchisees and candidates on like these are the people working for your brand you're paying a franchise fee and you're paying royalties for you know a logo essentially but these are the people behind the logo and they are tearing up when they're talking about you know, franchisee success. And that's the people you want to go into business with. That's the reason why you're choosing franchising. Um, And so I thought that was really important to bring that back to the forefront, especially since as franchising gets bigger, as private equity is starting to come in and be more popular, I want to make sure that we don't lose that heart and soul of franchising, which are the people. Yeah, no, with 100%. And I think as we talk with our clients as they go through this process, you know, like everybody's on the surface level. Oh, I like this industry. I'm good at this. What? Like, I promise you, it's going to be these intangible things that mm-hmm. that create create that fit, right? And you've got to go to, you know, that last step going to meet the team day, even if it's still virtual. But like, you need to be able to connect with them. Do these people know what the heck they're doing? Do I feel like they have my back? Right? We had. Peter Ross, who's the CEO um, of Senior Helpers, which is really the premier senior care franchise, but he also, they have a new brand called Town Square, which is just a super cool adult daycare thing. And he was on a few weeks ago and he, he's that like one of the really stuck out. He's like, the main job of a franchisor is to create happy franchisees. And Mm -hmm. if you look at their system, like super successful, super happy because of that kind of that, that top-down approach. And so not everybody has that. And that's, I'll, I'll say, okay, but it's not right. <laughs> but, but, um, but it is. I'm, and so I'm, I am super excited to, let's be honest, one of those episodes, I might be more excited than, than the other. <laughs> um, but it, but it is, it really is. And, and again, just getting that, like, the people behind it, the connectivity, these are long-term relationships as a franchise owner and a, and a, and a franchisor. Um, like I always kind of joke, like franchise owners are in business, like but basically like after five years at the same rate that marriages are intact after five years. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> we want to make sure like we've, we've met the crazy uncle, uncle Ed, we're cousin Eddie, right. We've met mm-hmm. everybody within the group. We're comfortable with them. We feel like we're in the right place. And so you bring in like kind of like these high level people in a very intimate setting to be able to talk about, you know, yes, you know, yes, how smart and amazing they are, but who are they as individuals and and the, and the why behind it is, is, is super cool. How can, um, how can people find this? So we are launching our first eight episodes on Tuesday, November 21st. And then we plan to drop one to two episodes a week, um, 
up until all 26 are released and then we'll probably shoot a season two. Uh, you can go to netcertive.com and under resources, you'll find a page that says franchise masters. So you'll be able to sign up there. Um, there it's going to be all free content. And of course it's going to be, you know, all over LinkedIn and, and shared, you know, probably too much to the extent where you won't be able to not see it, but for now <laughs> it hasn't launched yet. So you can find it on that sort Yeah. And I'm pretty sure for all the people that follow the Frank coach social channels, um, it might be there somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in there. Um, I mean, it's probably going to be borderline required that one of them is shared lest I, lest I get divorced. Oh, yes. If so, you want to um, eat at night, <laughs> one of them will need to be on there. <laughs> I kind of like my wife. So, um, you know, and she's, it would be sad for her because she's really overachieved with me. So I want to make sure that we can. We can... <laughs> we were just talking about that. How much not sure. Over? Not sure what was I said was so funny there, but okay. So um, thank you for, for coming on. I'm going to throw one last little question at you. Um, you've, you've been around the industry in all facets, right? And so most everybody that's kind of tuning in, all like six people that listen to these episodes, um, I'm bragging there's really only four, but there there are people that are sitting there. I don't know why they haven't reached out to us yet. I'm going to address that in a minute, but they're wondering about franchise ownership. Is this a path for them? Should they do it? Um, you've been around it on all sides. What What would be maybe one little piece of advice that you would share to somebody sitting there listening to this right now? Is this for me? So I will say that franchising, and I say this all the time, I'm like a broker record, franchising puts food on the table for my kids. And when you're going to go into franchising, you will be in the same situation. Make sure that whatever you're going into and whoever you're going into business with isn't going to risk that. And I mean that in a way of like, you're not going to bring in someone you don't fully trust into your kids' lives. You should not bring in a franchise that you don't fully trust into your lives. Because if you go into it and say, eh, it's not great, but I'll figure it out. Franchising is going to weave into all aspects of your life, from your community relationships, to your services, to your bank accounts, to your, you know, your kids' lives. You know, do they take it over in, in the long run? You know, essentially, this is a 10, 20, 30-year contract um, you need to be a hundred percent in on what you're doing and who you're doing it with. Um, otherwise, you know, it's, I always say it's more difficult to get out of an FDD than it is to get out of a marriage. And, you know, and that's not something that you want to sign lightly. Um, so my recommendation is you can never do too much research. You know, you don't want to get into an analysis paralysis state, but, um, go with your gut and there are good franchisors and there are bad franchisors. And the more you ask, the more you research, um, the more that you'll be able to figure out what is the best fit for you and your family. Yeah. Now I always, I always say at the end of the process, like, and you, you said you tr trust your gut, you're going to know, right? Like you really, if you, if you're making this agonizing decision, it's not, it's not the right thing, right? Like you don't, you don't start the maybe franchise. You don't marry the maybe person. Right. Like, well, Danielle was allowed to, but nobody else was allowed to marry the maybe person. Right. But, but that's, but it really, it should be that crystal clear. Like, are you going to have some butterflies or going to be some nerves and all? Yeah, absolutely. But you should be sitting there and again, kind of looking back to that people comment that you made, like, these are the right, these are the right people. 
they, they, they've got my back on that. So, and, and, you know, you have an example of that. And I know that like, there's a lot of franchisors that are, you know, structured and large, but you know, our franchisor spoke at our wedding and those, that is not like an uncommon thing. So when we're talking about relationships, like those are the deep, meaningful relationships that you should have and can have with your franchisor. Um, if that's something that you're, you know, you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So Madeline, thank you so much for, 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 for coming on. Can we like, at some point, can we get you back? We'll just talk about more stuff, franchising. Um, we'll do a live podcast when the game of horse, I mean, a game of franchising comes on. Um, <laughs> we'll see if we can get a, we'll see if we can get a line at like, at like MGM, right. For, for, for some betting on this. So, for sure, for sure. um, Cool. So you uh, again, again, thank you so much. And I'm so excited for the Franchise Masters. Um, ch everybody check check that out for sure. Um, and yeah, so thank you so much for, for coming on. And we hope to have you back again soon. Okay. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks, Tim. Thanks.